but they sent her home with a prescription. And uh, what happened is we were, you know, not smart. Uh, we uh, listened to our doctors, some of these phrases that you hear, uh, and it was a safe and effective medicine. And uh, so she took a pill after we filled the prescription, and, you know, she wasn't feeling quite right. Uh, she took the second dose, and she was really not doing good. And she called the doctor. And the doctor said, well, you know, you, you started the course, just finish it. And um, she took the third pill, and uh, she started convulsing so bad she was shaking, the bed started shaking. Uh, turns out what they had prescribed her uh, for basically a, a head cold, uh, you know, a little bit of a throat infection, a summer cold. I, I know it was a summer cold because I got the same thing the next day and was over it in 24 hours. Uh, they prescribed her one of the most powerful antibiotics that's on the market. This is the Farm Hop Life Podcast. I'm Matt DeRocher. Today, my guest is Matt Sorrell of formerly Quarter Acres Farm, now <laughs> Freebird Homestead. Uh, he and his wife moved from New York City and now have a quarter acre just outside um, of the cities there. Um, pretty pretty interesting story that uh, that he's got, and I'm, I'm curious to hear the whole thing. So, Matt, so how well, you doing today? I hope you got some time if you want to hear the whole thing. I got plenty um, of time. <laughs> well, uh, uh, thank you for inviting me on. And, you know, I've watched a couple of your other episodes. Uh, you know, of course, some of the mutuals that I have, Jeffrey and Lauren, and you had Josiah on the other, uh, last week. And mm -hmm. uh, you contacted me. And if you remember, you know, my first response was, well, you know I'm not actually a real farmer, right? You know. Uh, those right. other people you've had on, they're doing some some great things. They're they're like legit homestead people. They're, they're, they're ranchers, they're farmers, they've got all kinds of operations going on. And, um, you know, I'm just the guy with a garden and a few backyard chickens. But um, uh, it might be a little bit interesting. It's a little bit different from some of these other people uh, that yeah. maybe had on. And, you know, just a, like you were saying, my wife and I, we moved up from New York City. So how did we get from climbing the corporate ladder at the, our jobs in uh, down in their city to this morning, I'm chasing a chicken around my backyard trying to catch it and see if it's got a foot infection, right? So how, how did that happen? And, uh, you know, to be clear about things, you know, it, it's not like we moved to a log cabin in Montana or anything like that. Um, <laughs> we very much live in an urban environment. Um, it's a small city. I could walk out my front door. I could walk to a station and I could be on an express train to Grand Central in just a little over an hour. Um, so we're kind of doing some things that might be a little bit atypical for the, you know, urban, small city, suburban environment that we live in. And I, I think one of the things we can talk about is that you don't necessarily have to move to a log cabin in Montana to do some things. There are some, maybe some Absolutely. small things if you're interested in this kind of stuff, uh, that you can do on your own. That's why so. I thought your story, just the little bit that I knew about was interesting because um, I have here in my notes that uh, your wife is from the Bronx. And when you guys got married, you had a gorgeous apartment in a trendy mm -hmm. neighborhood in Queens. Yeah, so that, that is all then, true. So let's take me through that. Like, what's what happened there? What well, happened? The, the short story is my wife caught a cold. Um, but a little bit a little bit more detail of that. And, you know, as you mentioned, we were both working for uh, we're both engineers. Uh, we were both working for a, a large engineering firm at the time. I think it was either the first or the second largest engineering firm in the world. Uh, we were working in their New York City office together, and uh, we'd been married just over a year, just, uh, just shy of our, uh, our, actually just past our first anniversary. We had just moved to this beautiful apartment. Um, you know, it had a terrace. So we were, you know, everybody came over for the, you know, the barbecues because we were the only people mm -hmm. who could even have a barbecue. We, we had a terrace in New York City. And we had not just a one-bedroom, it was a two-bedroom, uh, which, of course, we were designating as the nursery uh, someday. Um, so what happened then, and again, so my wife and I, we traveled all the time. That was our thing. You know, we're not into stuff or anything like that. You know, some people get purses. You know, I had a flip phone. I was the last guy in America, I'm sure, to get a smartphone, right? 
Um, but what we we did is we traveled a lot, and that was really our thing. And uh, we had uh, visited uh, England and France earlier that year, and uh, at the time, my wife was out of vacation. Um, at the, people who probably have corporate-type jobs are probably familiar with PTO, how they combine vacation and sick time into one big block of time. Uh, you know, that's PTO. And when you're in your 20s or early 30s, nobody takes a sick day because you're just cut into your own vacation time. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is it was a late August. It was one of those beautiful late August days in New York City. It was about 95 degrees, 98% humidity. I mean, you could just like smell the garbage frying on the sidewalk. You know, one of those days if you can picture that. Oh, that's... And uh, uh, my wife, you know, she wasn't feeling good. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, uh, call in to work today. You know, don't go in if you're not feeling good. You know, take a day off. Take, you know, and this is, this is 12 years ago. This is before any of the stuff that would now happen, right? If you're sick, stay home. So we're old uh, pros at that. Uh, but what had happened is because we had just taken this trip, she was out of PTO. She only had one day left, actually. And she was getting ready to sit for her professional engineering licensing exam. And we had planned to a little getaway up in the Adirondack Mountains. Uh, so she needed that day of PTO or else she wasn't going to be able to go on her vacation. And then she wanted to go there. We were going to go there for the weekend. She was going to come back, buckle down, and then start studying for her exam, uh, which was coming up in, you know, six weeks or so. And she was like, well, you know, I don't want to burn a day, but I'll take the day unpaid. All right, that's fine, fine. So she calls the boss, and uh, whatever reason, that was not going to look good for the quarterly numbers, or, you know, or she had important TPS reports or something like that to fill out. And uh, so he's like, no, you got to come in. So she, you know, was running a, you know, a minor temp, maybe about 100 or so, and this absolutely awful day, drags herself into work, and she was dehydrated, sick, what have you. And she ended up collapsing at work. Oh, my gosh. And they, you know, ambulance comes to drag her out in an ambulance on a gurney, bring her to the hospital and all this and that and the other thing. And, uh, you know, that, that really kind of should have been the end of it. You know, they did all kinds of tests and this and that. And you know, can't find anything wrong with you. Just, you know, dehydrated. They gave her an IV. And it should have been a way to go, right? Um, they did send her, you know, away we go. But they sent her home with a prescription. And uh, what happened is we were, you know, not smart. Uh, we uh, listened to our doctors, some of these phrases that you hear. Uh, and it was a safe and effective medicine. And uh, so she took a pill after we filled the prescription. And, you know, she wasn't feeling quite right. Uh, she took the second dose. And she was really not doing good. And she called the doctor. And the doctor said, well, you know, you, you started the course, just finish it. And um, she took the third pill, and uh, she started convulsing so bad she was shaking, the bed started shaking. Uh, turns out what they had prescribed her uh, for basically a, a head cold, uh, you know, a little bit of a throat infection, a summer cold. I, I know it was a summer cold because I got the same thing the next day and was over in 24 hours. Uh, they prescribed her one of the most powerful antibiotics that's on the market. And, you know, we didn't know. And, uh, you know, these things are typically, you know, they're prescribed for things like anthrax is what they're used for. Holy and crap. it knocked her out. And then come to find out, uh, this was in 2012, 2016, the FDA, which had previously said this is safe and effective, now comes out and says, yeah, after doing a little more research, the risk of using this drug uh, outweighs the benefit. It shouldn't be really prescribed unless it's a life or death situation. Uh, So now we do our own research is another phrase that you might hear a lot going around these days. Mm -hmm. But be that as it may, um, she was completely disabled uh, from three legally prescribed pills. And so it just floored her. Uh, the official terminology that the FDA uses is fluoroquinolone associated disability. Uh, survivors call it fluoroquinolone toxicity. Uh, we prefer to just call it poisoning because that's what it is. Sure. And if you look at her list of symptoms, it very much aligns with the symptoms you might see for other severe acute poisonings. Um, one of the ones, if you type in her symptoms and, you know, into a, a, you know, a, what is it, WebMD or something like that, comes back Gulf War syndrome. 
um, a lot of these other diseases that you hear about that are all diseases functionally of toxicity, um, they all have the same root. The, the, the body was poisoned, an acute poisoning. And we've come to learn it doesn't really matter if it's a pharmaceutical injury, if it's you go lick a puddle of mercury, if you're attacked with nerve gas, if you eat a chicken salad sandwich that's been sitting in the sun for two hours, it's all the same. It's all poisoning. It's all toxic to your body. And so uh, in her process of healing, uh, she's still in the process of it 12 years later, we really became very much uh, aware of this concept of toxicity. And she was the victim of an acute poisoning, but we're chronically being poisoned all the time, be it in our food, our air, our water, the three main avenues. And so we really became very adamant about trying to minimize as much as we can. Now, someone like you or I who hasn't experienced an acute poisoning, we can maybe uh, sustain ourselves a little bit better in some of these low-dose atmospheres. I mean, I think you probably heard this, the saying, the dose is what makes the poison. Um, yep, so yep. we can maybe tolerate those low doses because of our we have stronger constitutions. However, if you're in the process of recovering from an acute toxicity, these low doses, they're, you know, it's like a constantly ripping that scab off the wound. And um, so kind of going on here a little bit, we realized that we had to make some changes uh, to if she had any chance of healing. And, uh, you know, slowly the dots started to connect together. Um, the, the apartment that we lived in, that beautiful apartment, we rented it from a really nice Greek family. And uh, it was actually the people who lived in the apartment before us were the parents, you know, of the, of the, uh, the you know, of the family. And, uh, you know, a few months before we moved in, you know, the mother had died of a rare form of lung cancer. Hmm. And uh, a few months after that, the father died of the same rare form of lung cancer. Um, the sister lived in the building next door. She had a lot of very chronic illness, uh, you know, a lot of symptoms. She was always had a lot of, you know, fatigue and things like that. Uh, the tenants downstairs from us, uh, when we first moved in, you know, the woman, she was very, very sensitive, you know, light or noise or sound or anything like that. Um, these dots started to get connected. That beautiful terrace we had, uh, you looked across the street, there was an auto body shop and the spray booth vented directly in to that sliding glass door we had. Wow. Uh, so we were breathing in the byproducts of it. It was basically like living in a spray paint booth. And when you're in an environment like Queens, like New York City, you don't notice these things because there's just this constant smog around you. Mm -hmm. uh, so we decided that we, we needed to get out. Um, I was fortunate. Um, I was able to transfer my job upstate and we got her out of that environment. And it took us some doing. It took us almost three years. But we eventually found the house that we're in now. And you know, we look for things like a house with a large side yard to keep people away from us. Um, because, and it's things that you might not notice, that drier sheets can really wreak havoc on somebody who's, who's trying to recover these, from these things. Uh, you know, we, we did our homework now. Uh, we would put in an offer on the house and, and we, we, we looked, or actually we never put an offer on this one. We didn't put an offer because we were going to. And we drove around the neighborhood and we saw some cars up on blocks in the, in the house that was behind it. Did a little digging and it turns out the guys were mechanics. You know, they worked at a garage, you know, nine to five. And then on the weekends, they did some work on the side. So, well, we're not going to live next door to mechanics if she's going to heal, right? So this house is off the list. Um, but it was a big challenge for us to find housing. We can talk a little bit more about this later. But anyway, uh, that got us where we are now. And we, one of the first things we did when we had our own plot of land was plant a garden. Uh, it is so critical for her to get good, healthy, organic food. Uh, that that was one of the top priorities we had. And uh, of course, you know, there's so much more uh, options, so many more options out there available to everybody these days. Um, but at the time, it was kind of hard to find organic food. And some of the stuff, you know, frankly, is greenwashed a little bit. And, uh, you know, people are saying it's organic or this chicken's free range or it's this or that. And it's it's really not. If you look into what the USDA 
criteria are to label as such. Um, so we wanted a lot more control over our food source. We wanted control over our water supply. We wanted, you know, we're still on city water, of course, uh, but we wanted to be able to install water filters and, and have control over that. We wanted control over the airspace around us. We tried to not do things, uh, you know, spray paint. We don't, you know, obviously smoking or anything like that. Uh, she has a lot of mold allergies and stuff like that. So that was part of the difficulty of finding a house was, um, you know, she can't move into a new build because all the byproducts of the construction materials mm -hmm. uh, greatly affect her. Uh, old houses, you know, mold is ubiquitous. Uh, so it, it, we're, it was really, you know, what do you do here? We finally found this old house. Uh, it's 100 year old and it was relatively mold free and I was able to obey it. And now this is like, oh, this is her safe haven. So this is something that we've really uh, have put a lot of work into restoring uh, this house so that it's a safe place for her. And I, I know I'm kind of going a little bit here, but what it really gets into us and where we became really passionate about this too is we look at how difficult it was for her to find housing, how difficult it was for her to find clean air, clean food, clean water. In this journey, we've met thousands of other people who were poisoned by these same drugs. And it doesn't even have to be the specific drug. The one that did it to her was a fluoroquinolone antibiotic. Uh, Avalox is the, the brand name. Um, but there are so many other people. You look at the chronic illness rates in this country. There are so many people living with chronic illness. And, you know, we were very blessed. We did have the means to eventually get out of that spray paint booth environment and get our own place. But there's a lot of people who can't. And so that's really kind of inspired us to get on this thing. Of, and that's kind of where the free bird came from um mm. i thought you were just a skinnerd fan that, well it's a great song anyway even if you don't get the reference i mean you know you can't go wrong with that but um uh, you know we have a good friend who's suffers from a lot of the same things but she has a mold infested house that she doesn't have the means to move out of we have another good friend who's similar symptoms but it's uh you know she lives on the second floor of an apartment and can't get out Right. And so, you know, we're trying to tie all these things together. Like, how can we come up with a way to get housing for these people or, or create a community of small houses and on a, on a plot of land um, where people could go to heal and where they can have access to, to good food, access to clean water, access to clean air. And, uh, you know, that's kind of our dream. We're not there yet. Uh, right now, we're still working on just healing healing ourselves and mm -hmm. learning some skills. Uh, but eventually that's where we would like to go with it. You know, we are actively looking at getting some bigger plots of land, you know, maybe not a big plot in Montana, but, you know, we've looked at some smaller, you know, five to 10 acre sized uh, parcels and maybe someday we would like to build some sort of community. And we're using this as the opportunity to kind of develop these skills that we might need to, to you know, someday use, hopefully. Absolutely. Use. And uh, I, I asked you if you had some time because it was a little bit of a long answer to your question. I was like completely like sucked in that whole time. I was like, oh, look at the time. It, we're already 15 minutes in. This is great. But I, that's a crazy story. How, what's your, if you don't mind me asking, what's your wife's condition currently? How uh, you know, there's good days and bad days. We don't like to look at the symptoms we always look at it from the standpoint of that she has survived the um, she survived and you know a lot of people don't a lot of people live with these symptoms and take their own lives unfortunately we've known two in the past year uh wow. it's a horrific condition to live with um so but you know she has good days and bad days uh there's days when you know we're able to go for a walk in the park together and she's able to maybe get some of her own food um there's days still 12 years later where she can't get out of bed and needs assistance to the bathroom i mean this was a woman who traveled to china to turkey to mexico by herself when she was in her early 20s um and uh you know graduated at or near the top of her class in engineering school um and there's, there's days when she needs help doing even basic things um we do think that trend is going northeast um we, we think she's she's healing um, there's good days and bad days though. Did you say that she's paralyzed or? No, she's not paralyzed. No, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Um, she, uh, she did have a lot of neurological symptoms. Uh, she had okay. convulsions a lot 
frequently. Okay. I, 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 even, I thought I heard um, like no, analysis uh, she, or something. So. No, uh, convulsing sometimes. I got gotcha. you. Uh, okay. And, uh, you know, even as, as, as recent as, as last week, she had some convulsions, actually. But they're, they're getting, you know, less frequent and further between. Good. Um, but again, that's kind of what's gotten us all. Had nothing else happened, that's what pushed us towards looking into these things. Now, let's go to 2020, right? Um, President's Day, 2020, you know, this life, is, life is normal. Life is usual, right? St. Patrick's Day, I was, uh, my office was now my kitchen table where I am, where I'm sitting right now. And uh, you had to make an appointment to go to a grocery store. And we saw how fast things change, right? Mm-hmm. And we see the uncertainty in the world. Uh, who knows what are what's going to come with some of these uh, situations with supply chains and you know things of that nature. Uh, so the other motivating factor for us was um, listen, we're not we have no pretense that we're ever going to be self sufficient, right? Living on living where we do, we are very much on grid, but we can be more resilient. Sure, um, we can. You know, I don't know if we grow or raise 10% of our calories. Um, But we've started and we've learned some things along the way. And, uh, you know, if something catastrophic did happen, probably even more important than what we have, uh, we've overcome inertia. We've started to think about some of these things um, and uh, maybe take some concrete actions towards how can we shore ourselves up? How can we be, you know, a, a resilient member of a community uh, where supply chains that completely collapse, where there to be a, a, a second wave or a third wave or whatever wave we're up to now of a pandemic or, or uh, you know, things of that nature. Um, so once these things started happening, we started seeing, you know, what some of these skills that we're trying to learn, trying to develop, we might need to accelerate that a little bit and really get up our game because we don't know what's going to happen, you know, we saw how fast things can change. Absolutely. Uh, so this journey started for you 12 years ago, you said? 12 years. When yes. That's when everything kicked off. And that was so you've been, you've been working on your, your skills, growing food in your garden, having chickens. Yep, um, yep. What, else, what else do you have right now? Uh, right now we have one, two, three, four, five fruit trees. Um, we have... Seven chickens, which is, uh, you know, probably sounds like nothing to some, you know, actual farmers. But when you're living in a small, <laughs> small plot like we are, seven chickens running around the backyard is quite a bit. Um, sure. We have our, um, our, our garden, um, you know, vegetable garden. We put up a greenhouse uh, last summer. Uh, and we were able to grow almost all the way through a, a New York winter, which I was pretty happy with. Um, and uh, we just started our latest thing now is mushrooms. We just uh, impregnated, uh, inoculated rather some logs with uh, reishi mushrooms uh, for a lot of medicinal teas. And, you know, kind of like what I was talking about, the resiliency, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you know, if diesel goes through the roof or if people stop driving truck. You know, a lot of these reishi mushrooms, where are you going to get them from? Right. Mm-hmm. Um you know, uh, and they're kind of a key, you know, uh, uh, lion's mane mushrooms, too. We've started those. And, uh, you know, they're kind of a key aspect of my wife's regiment too. Uh, she makes a lot of teas for herself, and I do help her quite a bit. So we kind of got it in our head. Well, let's start making lists of these things that we think we're going to need and maybe start working on providing for ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good idea to... Right. And then it's another skill. Hey, I can. It's do another skill, mushrooms. right? And it's That's just really one. Smart. It's one thing you can cross off the list. And again, you know, we are not off grid by any chance. You know, any even close to it. But it's one thing we don't have to worry about. If I can, you know, if I can get that um, that spawn to take on that log, all right, we don't have to worry about that. That problem's solved. You know, and you right. can focus energy to something else. Right. Um, I saw in your bio that, that you were a Marine, Yes. right? How did your time in the military, has that contributed to, uh, 
homesteading in any way, like resiliency or um, being able to adapt or problem solve or anything like that? You know, I wouldn't say it directly related at all, but some of the mindset does. Sure. Um, and, um, you know, like you said, you know, one of the phrases where I said adapt, improvise, overcome, mm-hmm. or trying to strategically think, you know, a little bit into the future. I mean, something as stupid as mushrooms. Well, what are some, what's something we might miss? Oh, we can take care of that. You know, let's start now. It's like that old saying, what's that old saying? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today, right? Mm-hmm. And so, well, it's not 20 years ago, but a few weeks ago, we started our mushroom culture. So, you know, we're we're, we're trying to uh, think in that way, think strategically. So I think that would be the, the main way um, military uh, style of thinking has influenced right. my thinking today. And, you know, and, you know, something it might sound kind of stupid. I... I where my dog takes, though, you know, you've been out 25 years. What are you an idiot? You're, you know, still where your dog takes. Um, I never wore them when I got out. I'd throw them on like the 4th of July or Memorial Day or something like that, just to, as a remembrance or Veterans Day. But then sure. they went back in the closet or back in the, the top drawer, wherever I had them. And it was, again, it was Memorial Day 2020. I did put them on just as my normal kind of custom. Um, and I started thinking, you might need to start thinking that way again. Start thinking, mm-hmm. you know, ahead a little bit into the future. Because again, remember, think back to Memorial Day 2020. This was the peak of the pandemic. Uh, there was all kinds of unrest in the street. Nobody knew what was going to happen tomorrow. And again, I've kept them on since, more or less. Not uh, mostly just to remind myself. You know, I hate to use the term, you know, but it's like you kind of got to have this mentality of planning. Uh, planning ahead, what can you do to protect your safety or your family's safety or your, your livelihood? That's so, interesting. Hmm. And it, it serves as a reminder to me. I like that. That's that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, what what like practices or techniques or methods do you have going on on your on your property? Like, do you have like any? raise beds or swales or do you have your chickens go into your garden prior to planting anything to till them up and stuff like that? Yeah, well, we do raise bed. I mean, as, as you probably gathered, we're primarily, we are organic. We don't use any pesticide or, you know, uh, chemical fertilizer or anything like that. So any, anything we do use, uh, you know, we have compost bins and we're, you know, we're, we're always good about turning the compost over and trying to keep a ready supply and that to keep our, our soils healthy. Uh, we do use raised beds. Again, I think that's just the most practical um, method for the uh, the environment that we're in. Uh, we, we do have good soil in this area. I mean, it's a very uh, uh, fertile area of the country, but just again, um, due to the topography of the backyard, uh, raised beds are really the way to go for us. Um, we do, that was one of the reasons for the chickens too. Um, kind of threefold uh one we live in an area where there's a lot of tick-borne disease and mm. uh so we don't take care of that um again without the use of chemical pesticides or anything of that you know there's a kind of natural predator and we've never seen a tick in our backyard even though we're right in the ground zero for a lot of these tick-borne illnesses sure. um no i'll go out tomorrow i'll find 50 of them but it'll, it'll <laughs> so i just said that but it was um you know, the other thing, too, is they are good in the garden. And, uh, you know, the uh, particularly the manure, and it's a, a key, uh, key component of our composting uh, mechanism, uh, using the chicken manure. Um, and, and this time of year, I do let them in the garden. Uh, they're very, very happy about that. And they, they have dug the entire thing up, made quite a mess. Um, they're going to be very sad when I close that garden gate in a few more weeks. But they're going to... Uh, they're going to be so used to going in there, but uh, they're going to get chased out of there pretty soon if uh, yep. if I catch them in there. So, you know, we do use them for that, too. And uh, this year, and it's like these things, you kind of get bit by a bug a little bit, too. And it's like each year you feel like you've got to do one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And um, so my thing this year is, is we always looked at, well, vegetables go in the garden, right? That's 
the garden. That's where everything is, you know, and uh, kind of hit me last fall. Doesn't have to be right. You know, you've got a lawn. You could do a lot more with that. And I was just, I was actually raking leaves last fall. And I looked around and, you know, like most houses in the yard, I've got a chain link fence all the way around the yard. And I always just looked at it as chain link fence and it just kind of clicked for me. That's a trellis, you know? And uh, so I, I think that's going to be the thing this year is, um, you know, it wouldn't be, it would be really my first attempt at doing something that's not in a raised bed. It would be more kind of a, more, I guess, call it like a no-till type uh, planting some seedlings on that, uh, along that fence, you know, something that's more of a climbing, more of a vine type, um, you know, whether it's a, uh, like a cucumbers or squashes or yeah. even like sweet potato vines or something like that. Uh, see if I can get them trained along that, uh, that chain link fence. Uh, I pretty sure, and, you know, fortuitously, a, a neighbor chopped down a huge tree. So we've got a whole bunch more sun uh oh, in nice. our yard right now so i i do think i'm going to have good success with that uh the, the key thing for me is going to be keeping my uh fine feathered free-ranging friends uh the, away from anything i plant uh so i'm gonna have to put some netting or some fences up so i'm gonna have to get to work on that sure yeah i'm i'm kind of in the same boat my wife and i just last night we're going through all our seeds and we're like okay we've got all this different corn and we have all these different like pole beans. And so like, we're going to try to use the corn stalks to grow like for the, tr like trellis, the beans. And I was just going to grow them on the outside of the chicken, like chicken run. And I'm like, well, they still like stick their dumb long necks, like <laughs> through the, through the fence. And so I'm going to have to like keep it away. And then even still, I'm going to have to have it covered because, you know, deer pass by and everything. Yeah. And so I'm trying, now I'm trying to figure out like, okay, how can I do this where it's not a total pain in the ass? Um, just to grow food, you know, in, in an area that it should just be easy to grow food. So. Yeah, we have had trouble with deer too. That's been, um, a problem for us. I, I did find that's putting nets over uh, whatever I had planted did seem to keep the deer away. I don't know if there's just less deer <laughs> recently or if they really were deterred by that. I guess we'll find out. I'm I'm going to keep doing it. I, I, I'm sold sure. on it, so I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the other thing too is see if I can get some plants that are maybe not as a uh, uh, appealing to some of the predators out there too. Like I like to grow hot peppers, um, and yeah. you know maybe mix some of the hot peppers in with, with other things too. There's a, a book I was skimming through last night about plant partners. I think is the title of the book, mm -hmm. and it's like you know plant these two together, and it, there's some for like disease, some for pests, some for. Um, like um, there's like a couple different chapters or whatever in the book and so depending on the pest you might have a solution for like a companion plant or uh, like a deer deterrent um, so yeah I could look in like you could look into that and the other thing I tried last year was um, some of that little like it comes in like a two pound bag it's like a gray powder that you sprinkle on your plants and then you like get it wet a little bit. Okay, it's supposed yeah, sure. to initiate when the deer smell it, it's supposed to initiate their fight or flight response is what the bag says. And so like, it doesn't harm them or whatever. It just kind of like freaks out their senses and they like, Oh, I don't want that. That's, that's bad. And, but you have to apply it like every month or two is the, is the issue. So. I'll have to look into that. There's a few, products like that that i've seen out there i've never tried them but um if i get into trouble this year I, I might have to give one of those a go yeah the other the other one i heard recently was having one hot str like strand of like electric fence mm. and when it's not on you put tin foil like a little strip of tin foil on it and then have mm -hmm. peanut butter on the tin foil and uh and you go to turn it on and when the deer go to lick or even just smell the peanut mm -hmm. butter, whatever, it should like shock them and just send them running. 
Like, whoa, I don't like that. And you, you'd put it down low, you know, probably right. three, four inches off the ground or something. But I, I heard, I heard that works. So, yeah, well, I, you know, and, and you know, there's different methods. I, I'm always like a trial and error guy, I guess. And it's kind of funny, yeah, you know, yeah. my wife and I do make a good team because she's very much a research oriented type person. And, you know, so she'll be reading up on things and, you know, she'll have a stack of books like this looking into it. And, and, and I'll already be out in the yard and I'll try 12 different things. Well, you know, this didn't work. That didn't work. Well, this worked, though. So this is what yeah. we do. And uh, so we kind of, it, it's a good, good team uh, that way. Uh, just trying to figure out what works. Well, uh, theory that plan. I guess we're not going to do that again. So it's right. Yeah, that's funny. My wife and I are the same way. Like, uh, I'll be like, well, I tried, you know, these five things and number six worked or whatever. And she goes, well, I just looked at it like online and I could have told you that (laughs) whatever. Now I know, now I know why all those ones don't work. Mm -hmm. But so speaking of things that work, what, what things have you tried that worked well? Like what are your, what are your successes that you've had? You no, know, it, it, it's hard to take credit for a lot of things. Like, like, you know, one of the big successes I think we've had is our little chicken flock. But, you know, they, you know, we, you, you give them food, water, shelter, and, you know, you get back eggs. You know, it's really hard to take credit for that. But the, the one thing I did mention before that I think did work well that I think people might be interested in uh, was we tried a greenhouse. And, you know, I was against it for the longest time. I don't want to put this thing in the middle of the yard and, you know, this and that. And finally, you know, my wife talked into it and I said, okay, we'll try it. And I had low expectations. And I said, it's never going to work. But then, and we put it out there. Um, we, we actually got a kit. You know, I know a lot of people have designed and built them themselves, which sounds like fun. Um, but the kit comes in a box. You know, it's delivered to your doorstep and you can put it up in a Saturday afternoon. So that's nice too. So, yeah. we, got, so we, we got one of the kits. And, you know, you, like I said, you threw it up on a Saturday afternoon, put some raised beds in there. And you know, we'll see how this goes. And um, I tell you, we had fresh produce well into December. Um, nice. So, so that, that did work quite well. And the thing that I was really amazed about is, you know, real winter came in January. And we had, you know, sub-zero temperatures and, and all that. And, you know, I just kind of left the snow was piled up around the greenhouse. And you'd see everything in there look pretty dead. You know, so... I'll go in there in the spring and I'll rip everything out and till it and all that good stuff. And um, it was a few weeks ago. I don't even know why. I just kind of looked in there and you saw these ratty looking plants and I just sprayed the hose in there and uh, watered them. And I came back two days later and they took again. So I thought, I'll look at that. And so now it's March. I've already got lettuces and spinach and broccoli that you know, survive the winter, at least right. survived enough that once it, you know, I, I don't know, you know how well it was, but I've had, you know, it was fine. It, it, it tasted good, the, 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 the spinach and everything. It's, and uh, it just took a little bit of sun. Once the temperatures got back above freezing, a little bit of water, and it, it, it's so resilient, it, it came right back. Nice. So, that's, that's great. So I, I would say, you know, especially if you're in a northern climate, it's, Worth the investment, and it was you can buy them right on Amazon. They're not that expensive, and then, you know, they they show up show up at your door. So, yeah, you could build one too. It'd be a lot more fun to build your own, but sometimes hard to beat the convenience. That's that's true. That is very true. So, uh, what have you tried that failed or didn't work well? Um. Well, two things that came to mind. Um, one was like we already talked about was that some of the predation by deer and, mm-hmm. and other pests and just didn't protect the garden good enough. And I, I think I have a system now uh, between the fence and uh, the nets that I put over the, the garden. Uh, we've had luck with it so far. Uh, again, you know, was it because of the net or was it another factor that I'm not considering? I don't know. I'm hoping it's the net. I'm going to do. I'm going to keep doing it until it doesn't work. Um, so that would be one thing, um, you know, I'd be advising people, make sure you protect your, all your hard work and your investment there. And, um, 
Yeah, the other thing is really pay attention to your soil and, and where you're planting things. Uh, the first time I tried potatoes, um, you know, I just dug a trench and, uh, you know, put some of the seed potatoes in there and, and backfilled it. And, you know, we got some potatoes and we had good strong plants. But the thing is, you know, I did notice that the soil was a little clay. And, uh, you know, when you think about it, those tubers are trying to spread out. And mm -hmm. if you got a dense clay soil, they're just not going to grow the way they would in a loose, you know, uh, easily draining soil. Um, so we didn't get the yield that we should have. And then so the next year, you know, came back through and got rid of that unsuitable material and filled the trench back in with some, you know, some compost and, you know, mix it together mm. with some potting soil and stuff like that and, and, and mulched it. So it was more of a, uh, more conducive to, to, uh, right. to plants. And so, uh, you know, that'd be another suggestion I would have is really pay attention to your soil conditions. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I got a buddy not far from here who has super hard packed dirt. I like maybe the mm -hmm. top four inches is you could consider soil still very hard and compacted because it was all, you know, crop you know, hay. So a tractor's been running over mm -hmm. it for a hundred, 120 years. And, um, and so when we were trying to like, you know, uh, he bought like a gas powered auger to drill holes mm -hmm. for fence posts. Right, right. And we did, we, we started like a couple of them and man, like just like both of us sure. holding on to that thing, it would just like, it would be so difficult. We'd be like, you know, so concrete, yeah. it, it is. And you know, I'm only 150 pounds. He's probably like the same. And so like, we're both just, you know, trying to get down in this dirt and just, we're getting bucked off this auger essentially. But anyways, I had heard about getting daikon, daikon radish seeds. Hmm. And so um, what you do is you, you just, broadcast seed the um the daikon radish and just let it sit like over winter or through the summer or whatever and base so they should grow like i don't know maybe that big around and mm -hmm. up to two feet long and just let them rot in place and essentially bam you got a nice soft uh nice soft spot to plant for the next year so that's a good idea i never heard of that i have to try that in a few spots in the backyard uh yeah i'll have to go over to his place and see how it turned out if it's if it's almost right. ready the ground might still be frozen here but um but yeah i'll have to see see how it turned out might, might fix idea. clay issues yeah. so um so what do you think the biggest challenge in homesteading is is that that you faced oh for me it's certainly time um, time, you know, cause it's not like, and again, it, it's funny. You, you keep calling this homesteader. It's like, I'm not a real homesteader, <laughs> but it's like, you know, between, you know, I got the nine to five job to pay the bills and, you know, I got a little company that I'm trying to get off the ground to, And then you've got family commitments and, and all these other things is it, it seems like the, I, I never spend the time that I really want to spend on some of the, the projects that I would like. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know if you know what, like Josh Centers, he writes, a, you know, his sub stacks, got some good stuff in it. And he did one a few weeks ago about, uh, you know, planting, uh, getting on a planting schedule, and, you know, for this crop, set the seeds on this day, and then transplant this day. And they had a whole graph and chart and all kinds of other stuff. And um, I don't do any of that. <laughs> you know, it's like, I've got this one Saturday afternoon that's free. Everything's going in the ground, you know. Sure. <laughs> that, that, that's the time I got. And so yeah. I, I, I know that if I paid more attention to that, I, I could probably get better yield. Uh, and, uh, but it's really just, you do the best you can with the time you got, you know, we don't, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a professional farmer. I, I've got, you know, it's kind of a, a hobby thing for me and I enjoy it. It's a, it is something I find very much enjoyable, but the time you have is the time you have and you just do the best you can with it. And you try not to yeah. let it bother you. <laughs> I, did the, I did the best I could do. Right. That's that's really why I started this is because I was also struggling with the time. I'm like, man, if I just had 
one more person here to mm -hmm. help me like finish these projects. Like half of them I've started and I'm just like, I don't, I, I was telling my wife, I'm like, how many other people are in this same boat that they mm -hmm. just need a dumb pair of hands to help them hold something, dig a hole or plant trees or whatever. Like let's, let's just help people. Like, like that's, that's way more, satisfying anyways like cool i got some lettuce cool we got some tomatoes but you know what's mm -hmm. really cool is helping other people do all that stuff yeah no, i like that it is really cool what you guys do um helping out like that you know trying some of your bio and, and stuff like that yeah i know yeah. It's, <laughs> it's been a tough tough stretch lately to do those yeah. sorts of things but. yeah next year next year hitting the road but um so anyways what would you tell people that want to get started? Oh, just do it. You know, like Nike says, just do it. I mean, you, We're you not could come up. <laughs> you could come up with a hundred different reasons why. You know, I don't. I'll start when I get a bigger plot of land. I'll start when you know the job's not so busy, or I'll start you know next year, or I'll start when whatever you know, name it. And mm -hmm. if you're doing things like that, you're never going to do it. Just Start with what you have. Do we have the ideal situation? No, absolutely not. No, it's like, you know, but but if we sat around the house saying, oh, when we get our 10-acre plot up in the mountains, you know, then we're going to start, you know, we'd never do it, you know? Right. And if we ever did get that dream plot, you wouldn't know what to do when you, once you got there, you know? So it's, you know, just go out and do it. We have our little thing that we have. We enjoy it. And we learned a lot along the way. You know, if we ever do get fortunate and, and some are able to realize some of these dreams that, you know, it's like I said, we've already started to overcome inertia. Uh, so w we have an idea of, of what we might want to do. We have an idea of some things that, that work. We have an idea of what didn't work. You know, don't do that again. So, and, right. and you learn things along the way. So, you know, and I don't care where you are, if it's something that you think you're interested in, there's something you can do. We have a friend and still lives in Brooklyn who grows sweet potatoes on his windowsill. I mean, if, if that's all you have the capacity to do... I want to talk it. to that guy. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, it, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You can do... If you put your mind to it, you'd really be amazed at what you can do. And, you know, I, we kind of laugh and joke. It's like I said earlier, you know, I, I don't... I, I know we don't get 10% of our calories produced in our backyard, but I also haven't used... I haven't tapped 10% of the backyard's potential yet either. So, sure. um, you know, some of these things like I was talking about earlier, like why am I confining myself to just the garden space? I, I, I This whole fence is a trellis. You know, i got these other little fields I could plant too. Um, so when you start to look at it that way, just, just go out and, and do it and uh, build on what you've done. So, I mean, if you're that guy in the apartment who's got one sweet potato plant, you know, next you do a sweet potato and a tomato, right? Mm -hmm. And you're just you're eventually going to start building on what you have, and you'll look back on it, and trust me, you'll be happy you, you did. It, it really is a, a satisfying thing. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about your YouTube channel that you just made. Let's talk about that. Okay. So what is? What's this? Um, this Freebird Homestead, and it's also like a handyman. That kind of yeah, and okay. uh, you know, there, there's always a debate. I mean, it's like you know, we, we talked a lot about homesteading and growing things too. And I've always, you know, I've worked my entire career in the engineering and construction industry too. So you know, and, and that is a skill set that I have, and um, it, tying into like a lot of these other big picture ideas we have of wanting to build a community or build homes that are, uh, people can live in uh, to give them access to safe housing. Um, you know, trying to bring all these different skills together and uh, create something that can help people. And, and you know, the, the, this ultimate vision we have is of producing either, whether it's, you know, small homes on a plot that we have uh, that people can move to or whether we can go to, you know, for example, um, you know, that friend I mentioned who's currently living in, in a moldy basement. Maybe we can build a small, tiny home on her property or something we can throw on a trailer, right? 
uh, and, and bring down there. Or you see that there's a lot of uh, uh, demand these days for portable, uh, you know, housing. Uh, you know, tiny homes. People are always looking for trailers. I'll tell you what, you could have made a killing uh, about 18 months ago when everybody was trying to escape from New York City. Something they could have hooked up to an SUV and just hightailed it out of there. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. you could have named your price for it. Um, so we're trying to bring a lot of these different skills together, um, tying in. Uh, you know, building a safe house for people that isn't infested with mold or some of these uh, uh, other modern building products that are going to, uh, you know, uh, that are difficult for people with, um, uh, who've had reactions, you know, severe toxic reactions. Right. So we can build those and then move them to a place where you can have a garden and almost like a little homestead uh, and a, a, just a place for people to heal. So that's kind of how this whole idea has come about. And, you know, again, you know, I've spent, like I said, a career in the engineering, structural engineering, construction industry. And even before that, growing up, my dad was an engineer and he was always tinkering around the house. And I was very fortunate that way. That, oh, what a great way to grow up. Every Saturday he had a project he was doing. And, you know, you know, this tall, I had my, he bought me a little Fisher Price, whatever, you know, it wasn't Fisher Price. It was actually real tools. They're just really small. And, you know, I followed him around and, you know, it was hammered and, you know, had a screwdriver and everything like that. And so I just kind of picked up some of the stuff. Now, I'm not a tradesman by any you know stretch of the means, right? But mm -hmm. I can play one on TV. So um, what I've noticed is that there's, you know, these days with YouTube, if you want to learn how to do something, just go to YouTube. They have a video for everything. But mm -hmm. a lot of the videos, some of them don't really answer the question that you wanted answered. I mean, for example, just the other day, I, I went to uh, look up a video for how to do something. And, you know, I watched a 60-minute video. I mean, 16 minutes, that's like a TV show, right? Where is it? I think a, a TV show is 22 minutes if you take out the commercials, right? Right. So I'm sitting there watching this thing, and, you know, there's some information, and, and, you know, the guy was kind of entertaining to listen to. But he never, he never showed how to do the thing that he said the video was going to do. And then at the end, you get to the end of the 16-minute video, it says, oh, here, go to my site and watch this nine-minute video. Where I go, oh, I'm not going to do that. I want to do the thing. And so uh, we came up with this idea of just short two- to five-minute videos that show people how to do basic things. Um, sure. And because that's another skill that we would like to foster in people. Um, at least in my area of the country, you see a lot of people who are first-time homeowners um, and, and, you know, and I'm not blaming them. Like I said, I, I was lucky for the situation I grew up in, but maybe they didn't have a father or, 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 or maybe, maybe they took public transportation their entire life. So they've never driven a car. All right. So they don't know how to change the oil. Right. Or you don't know, not that anybody can change an oil on a car these days. They're so tight, but it's, you know, or, okay. you know, things, you know, or, you know, or you, you've never changed a tire in your life. You know, I mean, these are things people should know how to do. And we're trying to get, I, I think there's a niche out there for some videos. And again, uh, you know, there's always this debate, you know, do you have to be a master craftsman to make a video and maybe you shouldn't teach anybody until you've achieved level, whatever. Uh, you know, I would kind of counter that. Well, everybody's a leader, too. And, uh, you know, that might be something else I picked up in the military. Um, you know, I'm not talking to the guy who is a, you know, 35th class electrician, right? Uh that guy's not looking at a YouTube video for how to hook up an outlet either, right? You know, I'm hopefully like a, not. Hopefully not, right? You know, I'm like a level two, you know, not up here, but I'm like a level two basic competent homeowner doing basic repairs. I'm talking to that guy who's on level zero, who doesn't even know what, what to do. And so thought there's some very simple direct videos could be useful for that, you know, that demographic where, you know, we're not getting into all the outlet was invented in nineteen oh four and you know when I hook up a twenty amp circuit I use twelve gate. No, no, no. You know, that, that's for something else. Here, black wire goes on the brass screw, white wire goes on the silver screw, green ground slapping in the wall. That's what you gotta do. All right. And just trying to get some very short direct videos uh, uh, to show people things that they might not otherwise think they can do. And because I'm sure you don't I mean you like you said, you travel around, you get a do a lot of things. You know, it sounds intimidating at first, but you've done it once. And you sure. know, yep. actually, that wasn't that hard. That was actually kind of easy. You know, solder right. a pipe. You know, it might look scary. If, I mean, if you've never held a blowtorch before or anything like that, you know, oh, this is, you know, I'm not going to do that. But then you do it, you're like, well, that was easy. 
You know, yeah. and it, you know, it might look a little sloppy or ratty, but it holds water. And you know, so so these are things that I, I think everybody should be able to do. And it does, to me, get into that concept of resiliency. And oh yeah, you know, it's not growing food, but it's it's a skill that I think everybody should have. And so that's another thing we're trying to do is we're trying to tie a lot of these different skills together, building and growing and producing food. And to me, to me, those are all linked together as part of a resilient community. And then incorporating the knowledge that we've gained along the way about, you know, safe housing for people who do have some of these uh, conditions. Um, you know, that is kind of the long answer to your question of what some of these videos are doing. So, um, I think we shot 12 videos, I, I think for just wow. some basic things. Uh, so the, we've completed all filming and we're in post-production now. I, I just like saying that basically what it is. My brother-in-law came up and we spent the Saturday afternoon just doing stuff around the house and he's, he's editing the videos now, but it's uh, so we're going to try to, you know, every couple of weeks, get another one up or so. And it was really, it, it was fun doing it. You know, mostly it was just scrap stuff I had lying around the basement in the garage. I mean, got a yeah. few things at the local hardware store. I didn't even know what we were doing at first. We're like, oh, let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do it. You know, let's frame out a wall. Let's slap a piece of drywall on it. And uh, we did all that. And by the time we were done, we had basically something close to a model bathroom. You know, we had, a, you know, there's, you know, obviously a mock-up, but we showed how to do, mm -hmm. how to install plumbing and how to install electric. And we tiled the floor and we had the, you know, everything done. So it was, um, again, I think tying into this, idea that we have building resilient communities and um you know just the building aspect of it the growing food aspect of it and bringing all those skills together i will have to watch and see and like critique your electrical abilities <laughs> yeah. i i am i am I can't wait for the comments because I, I am sure I'm going to get comments. That's not You're the way you stupid. do it. They're yeah. stupid. You do it this way. I, I, listen, I, I spent my life around construction sites. So I, it's, I, I already know what I'm getting into. I, I'm sure. very... <laughs> so which way do you have the outlet? Do you have the ground on the bottom or the ground on the top? Uh, I always put the ground on the bottom is usually where I put it. There you go. All right. I'll, I, I won't send you hate mail or anything. <laughs> For some reason, like east of the Mississippi, they uh, they run it the other way. They run it like they run the ground facing up. And I think I heard the argument because I was like, why is that? And they, the argument like, well, your thumb, like when you go to plug something in and out or whatever, may or may not be touching the ground. So then you're already grounded. If you, I'm like, well how dumb are you like that you're plugging something you're touching the prongs when you're trying oh, to yeah. plug it it doesn't make any sense no i've, I've honestly never seen that I'll, i'm gonna have to look for that look, now old houses uh and maybe it's more like the southeast uh um, yeah I, will have not in my the grounds in the in the up position it's weird i don't like it i would be I'd be confused if I saw that, to be honest with you. No, <laughs> like, that doesn't look right. Yeah, my house is 100 year old, and you know, half the outlets aren't grounded anyway. And it was one of the first things I had to do when I moved in was pull all the new wire and ground everything out. But it was. Um, I was going to ask. It probably doesn't even have ground wire in the box, but. No, you know, I, I was scared of that when I first got in. Um, some of them I, I did have to rewire, but a lot of it was the old. Um, uh, just blank out on it. The. Um, VX cable with a, the metal sheathing. Oh, so, okay, yep. So that you know, it was two wire cable, but it did have the the ground carried and actually the, the sheathing. Yeah, the um, yeah, the sheathing acts as the ground. But um, yeah. what another way you could get away with it is uh, GFI receptacle everything, mm -hmm. and that that would take care of it also. But we are getting off on the tangent. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Um, so the other thing you're starting at least that you told me about was remote tutoring. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, sure. Um, that is, you know, a, another thing, again, three of these are all related subjects is life skills. Know, yeah. 
life skills and you've got to teach people these things. And uh, again, with the understanding that um, students need teachers too. And not everybody is possibly in a position to be a, a teacher. Um, and uh, if it's, um, again, with a lot of things that have happened in the past couple of years, there's you know, a lot of more people are interested in homeschooling or with a lot of uh, students working remotely, maybe parents don't feel that their uh, students are particularly getting the, the attention that they need to deserve. And if you had a, a, a kid that was, had an interest or an aptitude and, you know, the, I guess I call them the trendy term now is the STEM subjects, the science, technology, uh, engineering, and math, um, you know, maybe you didn't have the means to, to, to instruct somebody in that way. You know, and, and that could be anything from, you know, like a, uh, uh, you, know, you know, maybe you're a, you're a parent doing homeschooling and maybe math just wasn't your thing. And, you know, and mm -hmm. that's fine. It's not everybody's thing. You know, you know it's, there's certain subjects, you know, languages weren't my thing either. Um, so, uh, you know, but, and maybe you're not, ter uh, you know, too comfortable with teaching math. And, and that's something, you know, remotely, uh, you know, with all the technology these days, that's something that could be done remotely if somebody was interested in that. Uh, or if you were... Um, you know, had a kid who was maybe interested in becoming an engineer, you know, you could talk to them about, you know, here's what engineers actually do, or you could, you know, maybe give an age appropriate overview of, um, you know, here's what a structural engineer does. Here's what a hydraulic engineer does. Here's what an environmental or a mechanical engineer does. And maybe get them uh, interested or excited in some, in some things almost as an extracurricular activity. Um, you know, if, you know, if a kid's got an interest in mechanics, you know, oh, this is a pulley, this is a lever. And uh, here are some little experiments that you could do uh, with them, or you could build your own simple machines. Uh, or if, you know, a kid would, had an interest in possibly being like a structural engineer or something like that, which is my uh, area. Um, you know, here are some little building projects. And here's like if you wanted to build a, a, a chicken coop or what have you. You know, here are some concepts or principles of building structures, you know, very, again, age appropriate, you know. You know, we're not going to be running through the calculus with, with eight-year-olds, but, you know, eight-year-olds can appreciate that certain shapes are stronger than other shapes. And, you know, why, why, are, uh, why are houses and, you know, roofs, you know, always triangular? Or even why are some structures domed, right? And, mm -hmm. and um, you, you can learn some of these principles of physics that uh, are actually kind of intuitive. And you might not even know it until somebody points it out to you. And so... If that was something, if there was an interest in, uh, and it might be something that appealed to homesteading type folks who were um, maybe didn't have access to, uh, you know, you know, maybe the kids are being homeschooled or something like that, you know, and try to come up with uh, interesting or exciting things they could do around the house to kind of learn some of these math or these science skills, which I, a lot of people might disagree with me. I think math and science are, are great skills to have, <laughs> although a lot of a lot of people. Uh, kind of uh, don't like math. It's a four-letter word to some people, but right. Uh, so, you know, that was something I was looking at offering remotely if uh, people were interested. That sounds like uh, that guy on YouTube, Smarter Every Day. He's got a couple of uh, interesting kind of videos, a little bit like that. I was thinking, oh, you could, I don't know, do like your little brief two to five videos in you know the shapes and structure and like structural integrity of shapes and whatever um you make it very brief because i think his videos are a little bit longer but i'm not mm -hmm. i'm not sure i've only seen a handful of them i'm like oh that was interesting and then i never watched another one ever oh. again but um it could be it could be brief just to give people like a little taste of like what it is um you could tutor them in teach them in their kids in so I, I think you said it there and it kind of ties into some of the other videos that we were doing for some of the handyman stuff. I, I mean, I think longer than five minutes. I mean, to, to me, I'm not going to watch a video that's longer than five minutes. You know, I want to know how to do the thing. Very and, rare. You know, whether that thing yeah. is like we, we talked about hooking up an outlet or whether it's, um, you know, I don't know, uh, whatever, Newton's second law, right? You can mm -hmm. boil these things down to, to two minutes. Somebody's going to take something away from that. And, and that's sure. how it really needs to be. Yeah. So let's talk about um, where people can find you. I've got more questions after the show, but um, 
let, let's tell people where they can where they can find you. Um, and I'll have links for, for this in the show notes. Okay. Uh, probably the easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter at, at FreeBirdHome. Um, just DM me about any of these things um, that you might be interested in. And then, as you, you mentioned, we did recently start the, uh, the YouTube channel, uh, Freebird Homestead. Um, those would probably be the easiest ways to, to contact to get a hold of me. Great. I will have your Twitter and your YouTube in, in the show notes. So, and, and everyone else, you can follow Farm Hop Life pretty much everywhere. I'll also have uh, links in the show notes. For our show. Thanks for listening. And thank you for being here. Oh, I, I really appreciate coming on and giving me a chance to talk about some of the things we're doing. I loved it. I loved it.